You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast on the IoT for All Media Network. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, one of the co-creators of IoT for All. Now, before we jump into this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or join our newsletter at iotforall.com slash newsletter to catch all the newest episodes as soon as they come out. Before we get started, does your business waste hours searching for assets like equipment or vehicles and pay full-time employees just to manually enter location and status data? You can get real-time location and status updates for assets indoors and outdoors at the lowest cost possible with Leverage's end-to-end IoT solutions. To learn more, go to iotchangeseverything.com. That's iotchangeseverything.com. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Robert, to the IoT for All podcast. Thanks for being here this week. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited about this conversation. I'd love if you could start off by just giving a quick introduction about yourself, background experience, anything you think would be relevant for our audience. Yeah, so um, nice to meet you. My name is uh, Robbie Hamblett. I am the CEO and one of the co-founders of Teal. My background before founding Teal was in ESIM engineering. So that's actually where I found the problem that I wanted to solve in the market and start a company to, to solve. So um, I worked on some very early connected car deployments and found that the way that eSIM was being deployed really wasn't accomplishing its full potential. There were a lot of uh, solutions that were buying platforms and then buying carriers and creating these kind of walled gardens, which were very solution specific. And uh, really wanted to get um, devices and solutions out of that kind of roaming model as well. There were a lot of shortcuts uh, being used because eSIM is so difficult to work with today. Um, that uh, devices were ending up on networks in an unintended way, both for the for the solution and for for the MNO. So um, Teal was kind of created to solve that problem. So we're we're the okay. merger of a, a credentialing platform, okay, um, with a connectivity management platform. So so we're a credentialing as a service solution. So that means you have access to any MNO that we onboard into our platform. And then you also have the ability to load your own MNOs because we're not uh, running like an MVNO model where it's more gotcha. of an arbitrage play. Okay. Um, so we work with uh, people wanting to access public networks or private networks. We've done a lot of work with the CBRS and, mm-hmm. and private LTE type uh, technologies as well. Right. That's great. And if you would, wouldn't mind diving in a little bit more to kind of the story behind the company, you know, more breaking down kind of what the market and landscape look like you know, the opportunity you saw with uh, your other co-founders, which kind of led to the founding of Teal. Yeah, I mean, it really goes back to like, we were working with the traditional SIM technology companies. And um, we were, um, I was working for an MVNE at the time. So like a, a virtual network enabler, which is basically just like, you know, a ultra MVNO, if you will, something okay. that was a uh, that was to try to get solutions onto multiple MVNO networks or to create really large networking solutions. And um, in, that, in that connected car use case, um, that company had to buy a platform and then buy its carriers individually to integrate into that platform. Mm-hmm. And then actually, when we had the exact same project requirements from another automotive company, um, we ended up having to buy another ESIM platform specific to that solution. Mm-hmm. And so, like a lot of times in this this M to M eSIM space, because there's really two specs: there's consumer and M to M eSIM. And in the M to M enterprise side, um, these these uh, solutions are buying individual platform licenses 
And they're going through a lot of steps and work that are really duplicative um, compared to like consolidating all that work and creating one platform that everybody can plug into and access. So that was the opportunity. It was like, let's end roaming. Let's try to get off mm. of the roaming networks. Let's make something that can actually uh, onboard all 800 LTE networks. Like let's, let's right. create a system for people so that that water meter can access the same kind of uh, credentials as a car. Cause you know, a car can drive a lot of carrier requirements, but a water meter with 5,000 lines in one state might not be able to, to get access to a Brazilian uh, operator sure. credential right. um, that easily. And certainly doesn't have the resources to pay for a carrier integration into every single operator they would want to do. Um, let's, let's, make, let's make it all you know, cloud-based and dynamic and single SKU so that it's really programmatic. It's, it's, it's programmable. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a layer that you can change based on the use case. And we're not going like, um, uh, to discount the higher-end opportunities, but we're not going to take um, solutions off the table for you know, the, the lower-end right. opportunities that, need, that would really benefit from democratized credential access. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And on the, um, from a industry perspective or use case perspective, are there any area that you all particularly focus on or see more business in? And if you could kind of tie that to some active use cases where kind of, you know, showcases and highlights the offering, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I think, um, every cellular, uh, like IOT solution needs to be focused around what makes sense for cellular technology. Cause you could add cellular technology to like a smart TV <laughs> and it would, right, probably right. wouldn't uh, matter right. that much. Like there, there's maybe not a cost benefit analysis of including that technology, maybe with private LT we'll get there. But um, like right now the cellular networks, it's really about uh, solutions that benefit from independent uh, mobile connectivity. So they, they don't want to have a backhaul through LAN or they don't want to, um, have to have a fixed wireless access point that they need to access. Um, so we, we focus on a lot of um, mobility use cases, health tech, uh, ag tech, um, industrial. Those are kind of the big, the big four. Um, okay. They all benefit from you know, wide area, uh, independently connected devices. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And for our audience out there, I think it'd be good if we could break down... Um, Kind of exactly what an eSIM platform does, and and what it is, um, and what does the current kind of eSIM landscape look like now, as opposed to you know when before you all kind of got into the space a bit more. Yeah, so there's um like eSIM platforms today. Uh, a lot of the ways that people work with them, they either get it from an operator, or they get it from an MVNO, or they try to build their own. And okay. uh, there's different um, principles behind what kind of eSIM platform you're getting. And whoever you know built the eSIM platform gets to say what you get to do with it, right? Like if you get a um, eSIM platform from an, a tier one operator in the US, they're probably not going to enable you to, to then take your devices and use eSIM technology to switch to other tier one operators. Okay. So they're not, they're not neutral. Similarly, an MVNO is likely going to push you towards their core network. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they deploy their own P gateways, their own packet cores. They might have radio network access across multiple uh, carriers, so like they could do an AT and T, a T Mobile, and a Verizon. Right. Right. Um, but it's going to go through their data channel and through their agreements. And so, um, you know, there's there's very much like an arbitrage approach. And so, you don't have that programmability, you don't have that flexibility. And then you've got the SIM technology providers. 
which because they're embedded with every single carrier, they don't offer carrier services. So if you were to talk to like an Idemia or a Jamalto or a GND or somebody like that, they okay. don't have the CMP bit, the connectivity management bit. So they can't say, you know, here's a profile um, that works with this tier one operator and this is what it costs. And we already did all the work of integrating it. Here you go. Like this is this is something they're focused on selling platform licenses. And okay. so if you're building a solution, you're you're working with one of those three. Uh, there's also the fourth option, which is where you get an eSIM and it doesn't actually have a platform attached to it. Mm. So that would be something like like Particle, if you were to get one of those boards. Sure. And we wrote a great blog about uh, how to use how to superpower a particle device with a real eSIM. Oh, okay. uh, it has an MFF2, but it's just locked to a Movistar MZ. It doesn't do anything else other than that. There's no ability to load your own credentials. There's not even ability to switch to a different M- MVNO credential. It's, it's, okay. all, it's all locked down. Gotcha. Interesting. And when, I guess, looking at it from a potential customer standpoint, how do most eSIM platforms, you kind of already touched a little bit on this, but how do those eSIM platforms really differ from each other? Um, kind of, just, I guess, breaking it down in non-technical terms, what would somebody see if they were kind of out there in the market looking at different eSIM platforms and how do they kind of decide between which path to go? I think the most important thing is because function functionally it's all based on the GSMA specs. Um, okay. So you're gonna in a in an M to M solution and an enterprise solution where there's a, a card and a chip um, that you're providing to customers or you're yeah. providing to your devices. That's that's very much a push configuration. So it's it's all centrally organized. Um, and in a consumer model. Uh, it's all pulled. So the device pulls the credential off of a platform. It could be on anybody's platform because okay. I don't know, um, or Teal doesn't know Apple's keys, for example. Like I don't mm. know every iPhone's credentials. So it has to come in as a pull request. Most people that are looking for this uh, uh, solution, they're looking at the M2M or the enterprise bit. And because it's all uh, push-based, because it's centrally maintained, you really have to evaluate like what are you allowed to do with it? <laughs> like how much control do you actually have? Um, and, and how much does the company that built it or is offering it to you actually maintain that? So, mm. you know, if you talk to an MVNO, there's, there's no MVNOs out there that I'm aware of that are actually building their own code bases. They're all using um, like an Idemia or Jamalto or GND or something like that. Okay. They're white labeling it. And then they're loading their credentials into it. And they're saying, this is what you can do. You can access our credentials. Mm, and gotcha. MNO, they're, they're trying to, to form their own partnerships. They're trying to work their way around roaming use cases where traditionally a tier one operator would sign a roaming deal with an, a European operator between the US and, and Europe. Now they're seeing this need for local credentials. So they're really just adding eSIM so that they can uh, empower their existing relationships. They're not building something that actually allows you to change out um, and have that programmatic access that you really want with eSIM, which is to right. switch carriers when you say so, and yep. even go as far as to, to load the credentials that you want when you want them. Gotcha. Okay. I know this plays a really large role, especially when we're talking about IoT, digital transformation, all that kind of good stuff, um, to help solve the challenges companies face when they're trying to scale globally with a solution. Um, so I, if you wouldn't mind kind of touching on, from your perspective, what are you seeing are the biggest challenges companies do face when they try to scale globally as it relates to IoT solutions? Um, and then how the, you know, uh, the eSIM side plays into helping them achieve that? 
Yeah. So there's, there's a part of eSIM where it's like, it's just making it easier to access those networks because okay. you're now able to download a credential that works there. So like, you know, in a, in a use case like Brazil, um, mm-hmm. it's, you, there's no roaming access allowed. Like it's actually legal to roam into Brazil. So, you know, all those solutions that were built on roaming into Brazil, now they really wish they had built with something that uses eSIM. Mm. Um, so there's, there's one aspect of it that's just like, let's make it easier to access those networks. Okay. And then there's another aspect of it where you, you add the connectivity management side. And it's how do you manage those networks that you've deployed? So you, you combine the eSIM technology with the management layer. So now, now you're doing one carrier integration instead of doing you know, 10 different Jasper integrations, instead right. of doing um, a bunch of different uh, you know, Ericsson-type uh, integrations. It's, it's one entry point. And then you're able to deploy with the best credential for that market in any market you want to go into, um, which you know, is combining the just you know, ease of deployment with the actual added functionality of being able to um, do multiple operators. So we've seen right. a lot of uh, solutions that they're not just looking for one MNO in the US and one in you know, like Latvia or something. Sure. Um, they're looking for a more robust um, site uh, deployment. So they're they're looking at the United States and they're saying, well, great, you know, this this carrier works well in Utah, but this one has almost nothing in Montana. How can we deploy on both without having, you know, multiple different APIs, multiple different right. SIM cards? And eSIM really opens up multi-network deployments domestically, like inside of one uh, country as well. Okay. And this is obviously not just a a solution to help scale globally, but also regionally and different, like for instance, if you take the United States, there's different networks around the country. Now I assume this would also then help with scaling across a certain area that might be smaller as opposed to, you know, global. Yeah. So um, we even go as far as to allow for these micro MNOs, these, okay. these private network operators. Um, so these are like CBRS providers or they're using other some, some other kind of license or unlicensed spectrum right. um, to build out like a cellular network on an oil rig or right. in a in a mining shaft or something right. that, where right. cellular technology brings you know slicing and power control and more bandwidth compared to a Wi-Fi solution. Um, now they're able to balance those smaller deployments and those regional solutions. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of, you know, even even more I guess even bigger than than the the mining equipment, but um, smaller than the the public MNOs. There's plenty of regional carriers that exist mm. inside of these countries that have um, a profile that's more optimal than roaming. And gotcha. um, this kind of true eSIM bridges that gap between having to need three different SIM cards for those three different use cases. Okay, that makes sense. And how do you all handle just from your your side of things? Handle the integration with different networks, different connectivity types, you know, just like logistically speaking, how does that kind of all work? Yeah. So, um, we, um, onboard carriers based on what project requirements we have. So right now, you know, we've been a company for, for three or four years and, um, we're, we're adding more and more carriers. Our goal is to integrate a hundred carriers next year. Um, we have about 30 different credential types, 30 different carrier credentials that exist in the platform today. Um, and when we onboard them, it's a very streamlined approach because if you were to buy an eSIM platform and then have to manage that project to integrate, um, as somebody who's done it a bunch of times, 
if there's not clear deliverables, uh, the carriers can take like nine months to, to actually onboard something. And there's different types of integration points. So, so there's something called an ES2, which is where the carrier does a profile donation into an SMDP. And then there's something called an ES3, which is where there's a SMDP cluster created around one SMSR. And we're probably going beyond like the, the basic knowledge of a lot of, a lot of listeners, but sure. those are the two types of credential activations, uh, okay. or credential integrations that happen with MNOs functionally. So if, if you're taking this from the perspective of, you know, an everyday customer that you all speak with, when you have these conversations, you know, what's the easiest way to kind of explain, or I guess, what are the, what are the areas that they come to you with, with the most amount of questions? Is it really about which networks are you on? You know, how much coverage do you have in these certain areas? How easy is it for us to use cost? You know, what are the things that they're, they're concerned most about? I think they're most concerned about actually seeing eSIM technology be utilized because they've, okay. they've been using a lot of roaming providers. They've been using mm-hmm. a lot of multi-MZ solutions okay. where it's more like a static business logic. Gotcha. A lot of the customers really like to see like what it, they set an evaluation criteria with every project. And typically that's let's land in you know Montenegro and let's download a carrier there. And then yep. actually showing them that and showing them that they can do that this week. Um, yep. That's really cool. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing is programmability. Like they actually want to see that this thing is dynamic. They're not going to get locked into a SIM card that has three phone numbers in it, and it's just going to toggle depending on where you turn it on. Right. Um, and it could be embedded, but that cloud focus, that that actual dynamicism to to uh, to our platform is is really what customers like to like to see. Gotcha. And when you speak with customers, what advice do you have for these companies? during their IoT journey when they're looking to better understand the connectivity side of things, picking the most appropriate connectivity for their use case and, and, and that kind of conversation. How does that usually go? What advice do you usually have for those kinds of, co- kinds of companies? Um, I think you have to evaluate like what the needs are. Like it, Sometimes people are at, looking for like a network technology. So they're like, we'd love to use cellular in this deployment. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of technology would you recommend? And so... Right. You know, there's 5G subscriptions that work only inside of native operators because there's no mm. 5G roaming. And that's something where our platform is really good at allocating credentials that actually accomplish like 5G access right. versus like an MVNO that would break that functionality through their own packet core. So we, we, we talk about, you know, 5G, we talk about 4G, we talk about what's the best LP WAN technology, which is you know, right. really important to, to IoT devices, obviously, because a lot of them are smaller consumptions. And there's a lot of um, discussion as to like NBIoT versus CatM, and um, which one's better for for the deployment. It's it's a lot easier to work with LTEM. You're a lot less protocol constrained. Um, you can roam if you need to. Um, you know, you you have higher bandwidth, so you can actually turn the radio off faster. Right. NBIoT is better for things that are just you know ticking away once. Once every right. minute, once every five minutes, but they're staying camped on the network. Exactly. More continuous data stream. Yeah. So, yeah. so we do talk to customers a lot about like what network is best for their type of deployment. And we see kind of the two extremes. It's either something that's doing like visual positioning and LIDAR and it's using a lot of data, or it's something very small, like an asset tracker. It's going to use kilobytes per month. And then gotcha. you know, what LPWAN works best. 
Okay. I, I can follow that. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the last questions I want to ask you before we wrap up here is talking about, you know, where these eSIM space was, you know, when before Teal, now Teal exists and into the future. Where does, do you see the eSIM space going? What are the biggest needs? You know, what are you most excited about? I really hope that um, eSIM creates the network of networks model. Okay. Uh, that it's been promised and that it actually democratizes access to these, to these credentials. So, mm-hmm. you know, the carriers have their share of the blame and the SIM technology providers have their share of the blame as to why when you get a particle device, you can't download an AT&T profile to it, or you can't download a T-Mobile profile or a Verizon profile. It's all, it's locked in to that SIM technology provider, locked right. into the policy that was created at the time. I hope that we get to a more interoperable um, future. And I think mm-hmm. platforms like Teal need to exist to centrally maintain and to organize those carriers, make sure that the requirements are all uh, straightforward as far as what's being allowed to access those networks and under what conditions. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that um, we get to a future where it's very easy for people to build private networks and, and credential those appropriately. Um, there's just going to be more and more challenges around roaming specifically, right. um, where network of networks is really going to be important. And uh, you know, data legislation is going to continue to itch towards more data sovereignty within those okay. countries. Um, and you know, Brazil, Singapore, Canada, those are some of the first dominoes to fall. But you know, where that device actually lives, like where where that credential came from, that's going to be really important to the future mm-hmm. of, of IoT. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I'm very excited to kind of see where this space goes. Um, I've spoken to a few other people in the past about this space, not as in-depth as we went by um, uh, for sure, but but this has been very insightful, not just for myself, but I think our audience is going to get a ton out of this because eSIM is a you know very popular topic, but it's often not easily understood um, kind of all the benefits and value of working with different companies and why they should choose one company over the other. And I think you've shed a lot of light on that today. So I really appreciate the time and, and effort you, you know, you, you have coming on here and talking more about this is fantastic. Um, of course. And, yeah. yeah. No, I hope my enthusiasm for the space really came across. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I, very passionate about breaking down these barriers, like sure. you know, to access the, to, to just get a SIM card in the past, like you had to take the right person out for a steak dinner. Right, and right. We really need to move past that and the roaming arbitrage models and these things that have made it very difficult for solutions to, to deploy effectively, like with yeah. the right economics and the right technology. Yeah. So yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It's it's uh it's a very interesting space, very exciting space to enable so much on the IoT adoption side, which is what we're all you know kind of collectively working towards together. So so again, I really appreciate your time. Let's uh, let's wrap up with you just telling us. Um, best way for people to follow up and get in contact with you, the company, if they have questions and is there anything new, exciting coming out from Teal that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So, um, I think the thing I'll start with the last thing. Uh, so the, uh, the things to look out for are, you know, 5g networks are launching mm-hmm. our platform this quarter. So awesome. we'll be able to access these, uh, you know, carrier native 5g networks, not running through, you know, a, a subpar data center or, you know, breaking the packet core throughput that the carrier put in place. You know, they've invested a lot in their networks and we think natively credentialing is very important. Um, So, you know, look for that. You'll, I'm sure you'll see lots of announcements on LinkedIn. Best way to reach out, you know, I'm 
I love taking uh, messages on LinkedIn. I love collecting okay. emails. Robbie at tealcom.io. You know, I get get my hands dirty on the product side a lot because I'm a product CEO. So I really love to hear about the the problems people are facing in the industry and mm-hmm. and you know provide guidance even if it's not something that that Teal necessarily can help out with. Um, but yeah, you know, just follow us on LinkedIn. Um, that's where we're most active. Twitter, we don't have such a big footprint yet, but uh, I think we do technically have a Twitter. So. Uh, just tealcommunications.com or tealcom.io is our website as well. Fantastic. Well, Robert, I really appreciate your time. This has been been a great conversation. Look forward to getting this out to our audience in the, in the coming weeks and um, doing more with Teal whenever we have the chance. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan.iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a featured guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.